0: This podcast is not intended to provide any investment advice. The opinions expressed here by either the hosts or guests do not necessarily reflect the views of PSA, collectors holdings, or any of their affiliates. Any discussion of collectible values in the past or present is not a guarantee of future performance. Hey, everyone, and welcome back for another week of the PSA pod. Ryan Green and Jack Archer leading things off here. Jack, what's going on?
1: It's a good time to be a sports fan. We have, we have the NBA season about to kick off. The NFL season is in full swing and it's MLB playoffs. Whether you're just a sports fan, a collector or anything, it's, uh, it's, it's a special time of year. And then when you throw cards and personal collections into the mix, it just elevates it even further.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty big weekend. Uh, hard to keep up with it all. What the, so let's put, let's put the collector hat on, as a collector. What was the biggest thing for you this weekend?
1: A couple things stood out to me as a personally as a pure collector. When the Chargers don't play on Sunday, it feels it feels a little empty not <laughs> to see Justin Herbert gunslinging. Uh, outside of that, be, with baseball, two things stood out to me. Acuna has really cooled off mm. his market, his stats, his numbers the Braves being eliminated as they did never really felt like he had a big moment. Mm-hmm. His star power feels to be like decreasing, like pretty, pretty swiftly. And I'm curious if it's a buying opportunity or just like the new normal for one yeah. of the most hyped young prospects in baseball. That's one. The second thing of baseball is I think Bryce Harper in general is just a special player. And like a, he brings like a really high level of charisma. You see it on the field all the time. And I kind of feel like I need to own some Bryce Harper cards. I own some back in the day. Nothing too crazy, nothing too special. But there's a black refractor. I forget which auction house has it up for grabs right now. But it's like a, it's like a really nice, really nice card. Bryce Harper cards are interesting to me this very moment.
0: Very much so. Um, I'm going to stick on baseball because it's funny. When we were discussing Fernando Tatis Jr. cards after the suspension, uh, about three quarters of the way through the season, late summer, we were talking about kind of the emotions of being a Tatis collector because me and you kind of both fit that bill. Boy, it was – how could you watch games uh, three and four of that NLDS and the Padres just breaking through and slaying the dragon from uh from up i5 and not think about man how cool would it be if fernando Tatis junior was part of this moment
1: you've been watching a lot of house of dragons i have on on hbo way i'm assuming too much. because of that reference <laughs> but it's, yeah it's it's insane right and you know that he's going to be bat flipping you know he's going to be making some some crazy uh defensive plays you know that he's going to have all of his his normal personality mm-hmm. just just like on full blast on field, and it is sad that the Padres don't have that. And for someone who was so big in the hobby for so long, uh, and had so many like really passionate collectors, and still does to an extent, oh, yeah. uh, not to see him there is is such a bummer because it really would have heightened, I think, I everything.
0: It really would have, and it, it, for me, it's interesting. I'm a Tatis and a Soto collector, so as a Soto collector, I'm love. See, I'm loving seeing him do this in October again, but there's also that part in the back of my mind where it's like, it could be so much sweeter, but, uh, still the Padres are a great story. The baseball playoffs have been great so far, you know, football's football, and we're going to be talking more football today. Um, just giving you a quick look at what we're going to be talking about today on this episode. We're going to be joined once again by Chris from card ladder. We're going to be talking football, but typically it seems like we talk quarterbacks like all the time. Today we're changing that up a little bit. We're going to be talking about position players
1: yeah i'm I'm excited for this conversation. It's something that people kind of continue to speculate fantasy mm-hmm. football um, the hobby is always focused on quarterbacks, but because of whether it's you know gambling or fantasy football or daily fantasy or whatever it might be, there are going to be like a, a new wave of collectors that focus on wide receivers running backs, defensive players, tight ends, that type of thing. But it hasn't really pushed a needle. But recently, we've seen a really big uptick in, in certain position players. And so I'm excited to dive into the numbers with the master of stats and pricing, Chris McGill.
0: And we're also, of course, we can't have Chris on the show without talking hoops. So we're going to be bringing back the popular buy, trade, or hold with some second-year stars on the hardwood.
1: Rapid fire with Chris. I love Chris's perspective on both the hobby and basketball in general. So it will be fun to get his takes on, you know, the Kate Cunninghams, the Josh Giddies, the Scotty Barnes. Where, where is his head at in terms of going into this season? And does he, does he think they're a buy? Does he think they're a trade? Does he think they're a hold?
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really good segment. Lots of really good insight there. My trade hold is always fun but it's, it's gonna be really fun when we're doing it on the basketball end with Chris joining us. So we're gonna take a quick break here, but we got some really good conversation with Chris from Card Ladder coming up here in just a moment, so stick around. Hey everyone, this is Paula V, Product Marketing Manager here at PSA. Just wanted to remind everyone that Bulk is back. We have opened our bulk service level, which is just $18 a card. This is exclusive to Collectors Club members. So visit psacard.com slash join to learn more details and become a member today. All right, well, as mentioned, you're joined by Chris from Card Ladder. Chris, what's going on? Good to talk to you again this week.
2: Thank you for having me, guys.
0: Well, we're going to talk football, but as we mentioned before, you know, typically when we're talking football cards on this show, 99% of the time, it feels like we're talking about quarterbacks and we're barely going to touch that topic today.
1: We had a few big sales pop off recently. LeDanny Tomlinson, PSA 10 refractor rookie just sold for $7,000. I feel like in the hobby, there's been talks about like any year now, like position players, non QBs are really going to make a statement. And I don't know if that moment is now, but it definitely feels like some things are happening. Some things are shifting on the pricing side and just your general hobby expertise, Chris. What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, well, that LaVanian Tomlinson sale is is a big one. Uh, And I think it sent small shockwaves through the non-quarterback collecting community, which does seem to be growing in size and momentum. So that card that you mentioned, Jack, that sold for 7000 it's like you said, it's Topps Chrome Rookie Refractor, which is numbered to 999 which felt much rarer 20 years ago than does today. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's a Pop 17, went for $7,000. And I don't know, You know, some people might say that feels high. Some people might say a little bit different. Because when you're talking about LT, you're talking about an NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, a five-times pro bowler, holds numerous NFL records, most rushing touchdowns in a season, most touchdowns from scrimmage in a season. And he also is credited with having the single greatest fantasy football season of all time, which would have been his MVP 2006 season. So this is a really special player, a player who was such a thrill to watch, such a thrill to see play football every Sunday. And, you know, comparing that $7,000 sale of that card, the last time it had sold was in 2018, over four years ago, for $1,600. So a huge sale of a card for a very special player in NFL history.
0: It's an iconic card, too. I, I can picture it because uh, that was kind of my prime years of collecting. He's high-stepping into the end zone. It's a photo taken at the Topps uh, rookie premiere photo shoot. Um you know, a few things to unpack from what you just said there. And one of them that stands out is the out of 999. And then you compare that to pop 17. I'd be interested to compare data in terms of like percentage of cards, you know, that were released that were graded back, you know, in the early 2000s compared to now, because I feel like right now, if you have a star running back in a flagship product with a refractor rookie out of 999, you're going to see a much higher pop of a PSA 10 than 17. So I I, I think that's got to add some premium to it. The fact that, you know, cards weren't graded at the same, you know, clip back then in 2001 and maybe cards weren't as well preserved at that point. Um, There's some factors there, I think.
2: Great point, Ryan. And to your point, you know, not only is a smaller share of the population graded, but they like also to your point, they were much tougher to gem. So mm. by comparison, like we said the 10 is a pop 17, the 9 is a pop 125 and the 8 is a pop 56. Wow. So there are 9s and 8s floating around. The 10 is really tough to get.
1: Yeah, LT with the with the visor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of people like they they're they spent a big chunk of their youth watching him just completely dominate the NFL and they're slowly reaching sort of like their peak earning opportunity or, or, or getting up there and they see a card like this and they see the market as a whole, knowing it's pop 17, knowing he's such a legend, it makes sense that it goes through this much. And, and personally, I think he's probably outside of Barry Sanders, probably the second most collectible running back, like of all time. Yeah. Am, I, am I missing someone? Like I, 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 I he has have, to be number two, right?
0: Maybe Emmett Smith is up there. That would be about yeah, it. And- you, you know, it, and you know. we're we're taking it from the
2: perspective of you know guys in their 20s 30s 40s you know if we want to go back a few more generations you know walter payton jim brown you know those guys are highly collectible and they have you know strong five-figure sales on the books for their rookie cards and high psa grades
0: a lot fewer cards though a lot fewer cards. Like, uh, I, i'm a walter payton collector and i have every card from the, of tops that uh, the tops produced of him from 1976 to 88. And it's not as many as you would think. Whereas you compare yeah. that with like Ladanian Tomlinson, he probably had more cards than that just in 2001 alone.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. So, and also let me, let me uh, elaborate a little bit or correct myself. So Jim Brown, uh he had his, his 58 tops card number 62 and a PSA nine. Is a population six. That card has multiple sales over a quarter million dollars on the books. Mm. It sold for 359 grand in 2016. It sold for 336 grand in 2017. The card ladder value estimate for that card is $1.1 million.
1: Monster. I I think when when I say collectible, I I, I sort of mean like full picture collectible Mm -hmm. because like Walter Payton and like is obviously a legend, but there's only kind of one way to dive into it. Yes. Whereas with someone like the Danny Tomlinson, especially, um, given that he's got like, he's, he's got a tops Chrome. He's got a Bowman Chrome gold refractor, which is a beautiful yeah. rookie card uh, that I lost at auction uh, a few months ago. And <laughs> I just think like when, when I personally say collectible, I I really mean like the the different angles that you can get into the into the collecting, and I love the different avenues with Ladany Tomlinson throughout his career.
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. It, it, it's 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 a nice balance. Today, you know, there there it's it's probably a fair critique to say that there's just maybe a few too many products and a few too many parallels. Maybe that's even understating the case. But for Tomlinson in that early 2000s era, it really did seem to hit the sweet spot of you know a comprehensible number of products issued in oh one and then and then you know maybe even too few parallels depending upon how you see it because tomlinson for his top score rookie has the refractor out of 999 he has a black refractor out of 100 the psa 10 of that by the way is a pop two that's it as far as the parallels go wow
0: you know the what do you think is, uh, you know, you have such good insights here that are data driven into the market and trends and and the way things are going. How much of this do you think is attributed to quarterback prices? Um, maybe being a little bit too expensive, um, you know, people really wanting to collect and get into it, but the entry point for quarterbacks is you know, just so much higher. And I, I mean, Tomlinson's the perfect example because people, you know, may not remember this, but Drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson were drafted by the same team in the same draft. They have the same rookie <laughs> cards in the same sets. And mm. I imagine the the disparity in those prices, I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I'm pretty sure a PSA 10 Drew Brees refractor from that same exact set is going for uh, far more.
2: Yeah, so... The last time that Breeze's tops Chrome Refractor PSA 10 from the 01 tops Chrome set sold, it sold for seven grand, but that was three and a half years ago in April of 2020. So Tomlinson is about, is, is just one pandemic and one gigantic industry eruption uh, behind <laughs> Drew Breeze price wise. But the Breeze is a pop seven. So it's more scarce, obviously, even than the LT is. I mean, that breeze is just, it's, it's a monster card. And look, you know, quarterbacks in football, it's such a team sport, but the quarterback perhaps has the most outsized impact on the outcome of games relative to any individual player. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. The camera focuses on the quarterback. I've often thought to myself, if the camera angle of the presentation of the game was different, maybe we might approach collecting a little different. If we could see the whole field, if we could choose to follow our favorite wide receivers or our favorite running back, or our favorite tight end, or we could focus on our favorite linebacker or something like that. But just because of the way the game is presented, the way the camera just, just hovers on the quarterback in the backfield for the majority of the time of possession, you know, it just makes sense. The quarterback is where the action is at. So, you know, of course quarterbacks are going to be, more in demand and they're, and they're going to drive and and command much higher prices.
1: So there was another big sale with a running back select black XRC, Nick Chubb sold for (laughs) $7,000. I get some of the hype to Jamar chase to Justin Jefferson, sort of the flashy running backs, but this sale surprised me because he's just kind of like a, like a classic bulldozer running back without a lot of flash.
2: Yeah, and he is part of a running back committee with Kareem Hunt, which, you know, seemingly, you would think would be uh, an obstacle to him putting up you know crazy fantasy numbers or statistics. But so far this year, you know, in total yards from scrimmage, Nick Chubb is third in the NFL. He trails only Saquon Barkley and Tyree Kill, and again, that's with the running back by committee situation he has. And you know, Chubb quietly is a three times Pro Bowler over the previous three seasons and he's well on pace to make there again this year. You know, he's, he's, he's somewhat of a dual threat running back. He's got 99 receptions on his career for 802 yards and three touchdowns. And then as a, as a rusher, he has an impressive yards per carry of 5.4. You know, he's got 43 rushing touchdowns over his career. And and even though that select black is from 2017 because of the XRC, the redemption mm-hmm. black one of one, Nick Chubb comes from that 2018 class that also boasts Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So it's a very desired uh, year of product and Chubb quietly from his time in Georgia to now his time with the Browns has, has put together a pretty impressive resume for, you know, first coming up on a, on a, on a half decade of time in the NFL is he's, he's pretty impressive. And I think people are optimistic that when the Browns get their franchise quarterback, who they just paid all those millions of dollars to? When he comes back, that the Browns might be a contender, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you might see Nick Chubb rushing for touchdowns deep in the playoffs.
0: That's interesting. Do you, you know, like you said, three time, you know, three time Pro Bowler. He's he's really had an excellent start to his career. Do you think any of it with collectors is very similar to kind of almost how football fans are conditioned to think at this point, where? you know, quarterbacks are the, are the central focus. And to a degree, you know, the league's rules are set up that they're, they're kind of protected physically. And and if you have, if you're a great quarterback, it's expected now that you're going to play 12 to 15 years, um, and deliver all these moments and highs throughout, throughout the course of that career, where it's almost like people are conditioned that to believe that, you know, running backs, especially and receivers, the shelf life is just so much shorter. And, you know, that star can only stay high for so long. Do you think that kind of deters collectors, or do you think people are maybe wising up now and coming around to realizing that there's some really cool collecting opportunity with those guys because of that?
2: Well, such an interesting insight there on a number of levels. So, you know, first of all, it that makes the all time greats, the Barry Sanders, the Emmett Smith. Mm the Randy Moss the Jerry Rices. Jerry Rice had a 19 year NFL career. I believe from yeah. 85 to 2004, it makes those guys and like Rice, you know, his total yards, he has 22,000 yards. The next closest is 17,000. I think it's Randy Moss. Like it makes those accomplishments seem so untouchable that it certainly lends some level of collectability, I think, to those all time grades from bygone eras. So that, that's like one thing that jumps out at me from your observation And then, you know, it it is true that there certainly seems to be running back by committee. What have you done for me lately? I think wide receivers do have still have longer shelf lives. We just saw Larry Fitzgerald play maybe 17 or 18 seasons and just retire very recently. So I I think wide receivers still can have long careers uh, if they're productive. I mean, like Cooper Cup is just not hitting his stride. I think he's 29 years old. With running backs, I think that's the most risk that a collector can take on in terms of wanting to watch a player over a long career, running backs seem to be cycled out with impunity. You still do have a Frank Gore, you know, you still do have guys who can have long careers, but it seems exceedingly rare, but you know, it, the NFL stands for not for long for a number of reasons. And, and obviously it means many players don't last for long, but also trends, trends can change quickly. You know, we're seeing dual threat running backs emerge. What happens when some of these running backs start getting a little older? Do they transition to wide receiver roles? Do they still continue to play but take a diminished role? I think there is still some text yet to be written in this chapter of skills position players in the NFL. But there's a lot of credence to what you're saying. And and it is concerning that you might only get to watch your favorite skills position player play for a small amount of time compared to a quarterback.
1: There are some fun wide receivers in the NFL right now. I, I'm just thinking about like the last 20, 30 years, some of the most collectible wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Jerry Rice. I think Randy Moss is right up there. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I think, is, is, is highly collectible. Uh, and I think over time, like in hindsight, the, that level wide receiver outshines a lot of the quarterbacks around that era. Justin Jefferson is one that's sticking out to me right now. Uh, I'm a big Jamar Chase fan. Like, I really, really like watching him play. Uh, The Justin Jefferson PSA 9 Prism Gold just sold for $5,500. That's someone that I I, I could really picture having a a really long, incredibly successful career, and then us looking back in, like, 10, 15 years and be like, what was I doing buying Zach Wilson cards instead of Justin (laughs) Jefferson, or whatever it might be.
2: I mean, look, I I hadn't thought of it in those terms before, but putting it in the sense that like, hey, in the in the heat of the seasons, we really focus on quarterbacks, but when we go back to define eras, we're reaching for skills positions players often, at least as frequently as we are for quarterbacks, whether it is Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, those players are certainly used as symbols in defining pieces of those of those particular eras. Justin Jefferson is off to, you know, a Jerry Rice caliber start to his NFL career. Now remember Rice did it for what 19 or so mm-hmm. seasons. Jefferson isn't his third, but so far he's been a two-times Pro Bowler for his first two years, also made all-pro second team. Uh so far through his career, he has 236 receptions for 3500 yards and 19 touchdowns. And then this year he's he's even better. You know, he's fourth in fantasy points uh so far this season behind Diggs, Cup, and Hill. And, you know, if we adjust for the fact that he's only 23 years old, you know, and the three guys ahead of him are seasoned vets, he's just ahead of the curve. He is absolutely ahead of the curve, and he's an electrifying player to watch. He makes Kirk Cousins look like a great quarterback.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I was going to make a joke, but I I, I don't want to throw my man, Kirk Cousins, under the bus right there. Too All late, right. Too late. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Let's, let's transition to basketball. Uh, I know you and I couldn't be more hyped for the NBA season starting. It's Tuesday. We're going to play a little game called Buy, Trade, Hold. Ryan and I have done this a few times on the podcast, but we're going to throw you a handful of second-year players with cards readily available. Especially These are especially interesting because they have a lot of products that either just released or are about to release. So... If, if you're listening at home, listening in the car, at the gym, wherever you are, there's a good chance that you can buy these raw, send them in and get graded, and then, and then get some pretty good value out of these if you believe in these players and, 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 and want to collect these players. So I'm going to throw a few names at you, Chris. I kind of want your rapid-fire, quick reaction about things. So let's start off with the number one pick with Cade
2: Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, Luca Jr. Uh, I don't like the Detroit Pistons prospects for this year. I, I think there's still a few players and a few years away. I'm not super high on Cade. I, his cards command a very strong value right now. Uh, I, I I like Cade. I think he's a terrific player. He's an underrated player by the NBA media. But there are several mouths to feed on that Detroit Pistons offense. I, I think, you know, if, if I was in a long-term hold situation, maybe I would. You know, take some stabs at Cade, but right now I'm I'm passing on Cade. That's a trade. All right, good
1: insight. Next up, Scotty Barnes.
2: Oh, what's not to like about Scotty Barnes? Two way player. Raptors are a lot of people's dark horse pick to go far this year. I'm a buy on Scotty Barnes. His cards are still cheap relative to some of his peers. I look, you know, all, all these uh, the off season. Uh, workout video hype, him locking up James Harden. I you know, I I'm not supposed to buy into that, you know, the, the selective <laughs> editing, et cetera, but I can't help myself. I like Scotty Barnes. He's a vibe to me.
1: I like Scotty Barnes too. And I know everyone on this call right now are just prism heads through and through. That the the twenty twenty one Prism had the seventy fifth anniversary, the red cracked ice with like the diamond logo mm-hmm. on it. It yeah. looks with Scotty Barnes and then Evan Mobley and, and Jalen Green as well. Just that awesome red color match with that cracked ice look and the seventy fifth anniversary. I think I think long term those are those are pretty interesting cards.
0: Oh yeah! Plus he plays in Toronto, great city, great market, great, great, great uniforms form they, too. Great uniforms, yeah. everything about they they got Drake involved. You know, there is like a whole there is a, a really cool vibe
2: when they're winning. Yeah, talent development in Toronto is amazing. The system is amazing. It's a very avant garde style of basketball where they just pretty much roll out five guys who are. Or four guys who are like six foot eight to six foot ten and can play multiple positions. They put them with Freddie Van Bleed. It's just it's a really fun basketball culture to, to be a stakeholder. And if you're a Scotty Barnes collector,
1: they've got a lot of their picks left too. Oh yeah, so their future is very very bright. All right, Chris. Next up, Cleveland Cavaliers. Evan Mobley.
2: Well, you know, I think it's overstated in this hobby how uncollectible bigs are i think bigs are more collectible than the stereotype might be mm-hmm. i like evan mobley but there's gonna be a lot of offensive firepower coming from darius garland coming from donovan mitchell cares lavert even jared allen's gonna get his touches and get some get some points too mobley is a terrific nba player adds a lot of value collectibility wise he's not that high for me but there are USC collectors who like Evan Mobley. He, he's going to project very well, but I, I'm a wait and see on Mobley.
1: What's interesting about him is that the, the defensive chops, their backcourt with, with Mitchell and Garland is pretty weak. So if they're going to succeed, it's, he's going to have to go like complete crazy mode defensively, which I think is possible from what he showed in his rookie year. Um, I I just got a submission back from something I pulled. I actually pulled his hollow auto, and I got a PSA 10 auto 10, which I I couldn't be more excited about. But I'm sort of like, I'm thinking right now, I'm like, do I I try to trade that right now to get in something else? Do I keep it? Like, that's a pretty big card. Uh, But I'm I'm with you. It's just like the collectability of his position. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland. Uh, Not sure how that's going to work out, but probably keep the card. We'll see. (laughs) All right, man. Next up, we got Josh Giddey, Oklahoma City Thunder.
2: I'm out on Josh Giddey. Trade, trade, trade. Josh Giddey is a good player. He is like a triple-double threat, potentially. But if you look at the talent that's on the Oklahoma City roster and the fact that they've still got so many picks over the next few years, if, if, if a star is gonna shine on Oklahoma City, it's gonna need to be a truly transcendent player or else they're gonna get rid of you so they can continue tanking until they get that transcendent star. Josh Giddy's a type of player who, you know, can put them into purgatory for a period of time and just be in that sort of middle of the middle of the pack Oklahoma City team if he's one of your best players. He could be maybe a third best option on a championship team or a fourth best option. I don't like the collectability of a player like that. You know, but with that said here the the, the bold case for Josh Giddy is he's he's very talented and, and productive for especially for his age coming from Australia. There's going to be a built-in collector base for a guy like that. You know, there there are lots of things to like about Giddy, but I'm out. I, I wouldn't be holding on to Giddy cards. I'd be trading them and trying to get into a player with more upside.
0: Jack's ready to throw hands. No, I, Giddy up, <laughs> baby. Uh,
1: no, I, I agree with you in. In some ways, I'm, 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 I'm higher on Josh Giddy personally. But I think I factor in like the the marketability potential with a lot of prospects as well. And I think between the Australia connection and just his general personality, I think there's, there's a lot of room to sort of increase the collectability with Josh Giddy. But I also think he was like, re- he was really, really good his rookie year. And his skills are pretty raw. And I think there's a lot of upward maneuvering for him to develop over the next couple years. I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy for any team or even the second best player on a championship team. But his cards right now are so low in price compared to some of his peers that I think it's worth taking a flyer on if you're if you like the flashes that you've seen so far.
2: Plus he looks like Sean from Boy Meets World, which is a plus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Phenomenal greatest show show ever. Now you got that might be my new PC.
1: Shout out (laughs) Topanga. All right, uh, Jalen Green,
2: Houston Rockets.
1: This is my favorite.
2: This is my this is my favorite player from this draft class. I love his style. He just put up thirty one points after Leslie in a preseason game, and I know it's just preseason, but this guy can score it. Will we talk about marketability? I think this kid has a great look. He's got a great chip on his shoulder. He's gonna have plenty of time to develop on the miserable Houston Rockets team and roster. I think you know, and he's also got that that tenacity that I love to see from young players. He competed in the slam dunk contest, although that performance was forgettable. He's He's got the ability to score at every level. The athleticism is there. The drive is there. The ability to score is there. I'm a huge buy on Jalen Green. I love Jalen Green.
1: Me too. He's like the confidence that he wields is, is really, really impressive. What is surprising to me is that I went into like his Prism cards being released, his Optic cards being released, thinking I could get him at a fairly decent price because, you know, I feel like the NBA media and the hobby were kind of cool on him, his rookie year, but his prices are just as much, if not more than Cade Cunningham in a lot of circumstances. And I'm, I'm surprised by that. And, uh, I thought I was going to be kind of out, outsmarting the system a little bit, being able to get, uh, a card (laughs) from someone a little bit, a little bit cheaper, but it doesn't look like that would be the case.
2: Now you're paying for the upside already with Jalen Green, and I get why.
1: All right, last one. Jonathan Kuminga from the Golden State Warriors.
2: He's already got a ring. That means he's hobby gold, right? <laughs> you've got the ring. You're good to go. I mean, man, Kuminga is pretty far down the line of players in terms of priority in Golden State, so that this is a very different situation than some of the other players you've analyzed, where this guy's in a winning culture. He's Potentially, you know, part of a dynasty, a, a second, you know, era of the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr dynasty. Like he might be part of the second one that may be underway. He has every tool in the world to be one of the best basketball players. He's one of the best, most freakish athletes on the court every night. But he's also, you know, a diamond in the rough. but the skill set still needs a lot of polishing. And I just don't know how high he can climb in a Warriors rotation that's trying to win championships right now. But he was a meaningful contributor last year to them. He'll be even more meaningful contributor this year. He's just not the type of player that I would go out of my way to collect. I would probably trade him right now and get the the championship value. And I would look to get into more players like Jalen Green who have a longer arc but a higher upside.
0: All right, Chris. Really quick, who's the la- Who's the young player we didn't ask you about? Who you're very bullish on?
2: Oh man, I, you guys hit all the big ones. I think released from the okay. second year. Yeah. All right.
1: Cam Thomas, maybe <laughs> people are
2: hot
0: on him. You're digging now. Uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> couldn't even give you a blurb
2: on Cam. I couldn't even give you a blurb on him, to be honest with You, I, you guys hit all the ones that would be on
0: my radar. Nice. Well, thanks for taking the time to join us again today. Um, obviously, the NBA season is getting underway this this week, which means we are going to be talking to you about hoops and basketball cards uh, and everything going on in that corner of the hobby a lot more in the coming months.
1: All right, let's all give, before we leave, real quick, NBA finals prediction. Like, like who's, who's, who's going to win everything this year?
2: Okay, well, I've already thought about this. I'll jump in and go first. I've got Denver coming out of the west and Philadelphia coming out of the east. The battle of two great centers will unfold.
1: I like that. I like that choice a lot. I, I I feel like Denver like has the potential to be like really, really, really good with Michael Porter Jr. back, Jamal Murray, everything going on there. I'm going to gosh personally like I just want someone who's like big in the hobby to win it, whether it's like the Mavericks or the, or the Grizzlies or whoever it might be. But I think it's going to be a team that people just aren't really like thinking about Mm -hmm. right now so my pick is going to be let's go let's go milwaukee bucks not very exciting but that's my choice
0: who they beating? i i
1: i like the denver angle a lot let's say let's say mavericks
0: okay Everyone's going to laugh at this, but then again, everyone laughed at me saying the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> could be in the Super Bowl before the football season started. So uh, I'm going to say Kevin Durant leads the Brooklyn Nets to an NBA title over the Los Angeles Clippers. Right. Probably right. a terrible we- prediction, but I'm putting it on the record here
1: no one has no, any idea what's going
2: to happen in Brooklyn <laughs> exactly this year.
0: exactly so no I,
2: yeah we checked a lot of different boxes for the hobby as well yeah, with exactly. uh, with all exactly. these different picks so one of us will be close to right yep. all
0: right well chris thanks again we're gonna be talking to you again soon jack and jack and i we're gonna take a quick break here we'll be right back to wrap it up
2: If you're enjoying the PSA pod, first of all, thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. We would love it if you also wanted to take the time to leave us a review wherever you're listening from, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcast, or even with a comment on YouTube, your feedback helps us improve the show. We deliver to you, the collector each and every week. So drop us a review and we'll just go ahead and say thank you in advance.
0: All right. Well, as always, really good conversation with Chris, Jack. We're, uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but we want to tease to a little something we started discussing here internally last week. And the best ideas are always born on like a Friday afternoon when you're just sitting around kind of brainstorming stuff and something just hits and it and it like mushrooms into this this larger discussion. And we came up with a concept that we really want to dive into deeper next week to introduce collectors to, but give a give a little bit of the, the thinking here behind this.
1: So it's called the Core Score, collectability over replacement, inspired obviously by war, yeah. wins over replacement, and why war is so good in baseball, is that it allows you to compare players from from different eras, accurately and effectively, because the game has changed so much over the last hundred plus years. That it's not necessarily fair to compare Joe DiMaggio to Alex Rodriguez to uh, Derek Jeter to uh, Ronald Acuna, or whoever mm-hmm. it might be. Uh, but war kind of evens everything out and allows you to sort of judge a player on a consistent scale throughout history. So the idea of this is how can we compare different players? from very different eras and very different card choices and a lot of different factors and come up with a consistent score from that we can sort of apply to any player uh to sort of determine what kind of extra juice their cards might have.
0: So we really put a lot of thought into this, like just over the course of, you know, an afternoon. A and silly amount of thought, yeah. yeah. But like we may still be missing some things here. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the factors that are being calculated into this weighted scoring system that we've come up with so far. Jack will share those. If you have some things that maybe we're not thinking of and uh, that maybe you think should be factored into the core score at PSA card, tweet at us, let us know what you think about this. Um, Cause you know, we want some, some, some market feedback. Cause Maybe didn't cover everything, but I think we're pretty thorough here. Jack, what are the what are the key pieces here that make up the proposed core score?
1: So first thing you have to have your your zero level player, mm-hmm. the replacement level player. And when it comes to collecting, it's someone we sort of discussed the idea of someone that if you worked with someone or you were friends with someone or you went to a show and someone just had like an incredible PC of this player. It wouldn't strike you as odd, but it wouldn't necessarily blow you away. Yeah, Matt Stafford was a name that we talked about. Corey Seager
2: mm-hmm.
1: was also a name. quite uh, Leonard, to an extent, like a, a Paul George could probably apply to this too. Uh, if you saw just a monster Matt Stafford or monster Corey Seager collection with some really crazy cards, you'd be impressed, but it wouldn't blow you away in the same way, like a LeBron James or a Patrick Mahomes collection yeah. of the same, the same um, power would. Uh, so- Think of that when you sort of think of uh the zero replacement level player. But a few of the different categories we we discussed were, were winning, market, overall cool factor, fan loyalty, uh, celebrity, career arc, meaning like are they are they early in their career with a lot of upside, or are they sort of in that like Brad Beal, Geno Smith level of their career where the upside is 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 pretty limited purely based on age? Um cards, so that means. Like what kind of cards are available of that player?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of vintage players, they might only have one rookie card, whereas someone more modern might have, you know, one of one logo mans, uh, really impressive patch autos, uh, various prism parallels. There's a lot, a lot more um, to collect. A lot of angles to get into someone.
0: And whereas, kind of like you said with war, you could collect, you could compare players of across different eras. There is still a reasonable way to compare, you know cards of players from different eras like say a modern a current players rookie cards are just not all that desirable for whatever reason um but that could compare evenly with maybe a player from the 60s or 70s who only had one or two cards but then later on had some really impressive stuff made of them after they were done playing etc cetera, etc cetera. uh had some really iconic you know or their rookie card was just so iconic that it carries the torch for the rest
1: I mean, so there's a lot uh, yeah.
0: of things that can factor in there.
1: The the best example of this, in my opinion, is is Steph Curry. Yes, The two thousand nine. Exactly. He's got the school picture card, he, and, he, and he's got a National Treasures, which is which is a fantastic monster card. But he doesn't have like the full Prism Run, doesn't have the full Topps Chrome Bowman Chrome, uh, and a lot of a lot of his cards are with like his his, his Davidson, his college jersey. On. Yeah. So his his card score would be lower than someone that like Luca, which has like a bunch of different ways to get into Luka cards. Mm. And as you were saying, likewise, with, with some of the vintage players, uh, with limited options, some people prefer that, but they would have a lower card score because there's less interesting cards. If Mickey Mantle had a, had a you know one out of five rookie patch auto, like I can't even imagine what that would go for nowadays. Uh, but because he doesn't have that, uh, it limits the collectability in terms of the level of cards that this player has. And wrapping things up our position. We all know like a left-handed specialist coming out of the pen is gonna be less collectible than a shortstop.. Yep. Uh same with like centers in basketball, less collectible, um offensive lineman in football. you guys you guys know that. Uh, highlights, someone like John Morant would score very, very high on that. Who would score very, very low on on highlights. What do you think, Ryan?
0: Mm. I mean, you're like in basketball, like you're three and D guy, right? Yeah. Typically it's just, I mean, there's just not going to be a lot of like sizzle to go with the steak.
1: I was like, like Drew Brees for someone who's like kind of in the collecting yeah. world.
0: I know he had not a lot of flash. He had a great, he had a great career. Whereas if I go and watch his highlight reel, I'm just going to like, yeah, that's cool. Whereas here's another example. I was watching last week, a 15 minute produced by the NFL, a Michael Vick highlight reel. From his career which of course had tons of potential and didn't live up all the way but like his 15 minute highlight reel I you'd have a hard time to find anything that compares to that with another quarterback so that like the highlight reel factor
1: and last but not least is reputation Mm -hmm. best way to describe this Kyrie is like a negative 10 Steph Curry is a plus 10. Uh, there are a whole bunch of sort of like intangible reasons for for this that we don't really need to get into, but just sort of like general standing within sports fans, within the hobby, within the public. Um, And I I do think that plays a factor in someone's collectability and thus the prices of their cards, the interest in their cards, all that stuff. Yes,
0: yes. So the core score. We've got, I think we've got it pretty well covered. But again, if there's something maybe we discussed that, you know, you think maybe should be weighted more than others. We have a couple ideas for some things that should get some weight here. Uh, Or if there's any factors that maybe we didn't include at PSA card, tweet at us, let us know, because next week we're going to start diving a little bit deeper into this and it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we might have some fun arguments on this. Yeah. I I
1: can't (laughs) wait to see how some of the numbers add up. And the important thing to know is that everything will be weighted and we just need to figure out how we're weighting things. Because like like winning, for example, should be weighted more than like celebrity or or, a reputation. So we're gonna be like twisting and, and tweaking some things. And I think what will be most interesting is seeing sort of the outlier players on both the negative side and the positive side, and maybe finding some arbitrage in the collecting community of people that should be sort of like more beloved but aren't based on the core score, and then um on the other side too players that have like pretty like hype cards but their core score feels a little bit low mm-hmm. and maybe that's a red flag long term but yeah. we'll see
0: i can't wait i think this is going to be something we're going to be discussing for several weeks so this is not just a a one time thing and we're probably going to be ending up uh, referencing this quite a bit on the show moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I mean I'm we're going to have to pitch Chris to get this on card ladder too. It's like <laughs> prices like you know 30 day monthly index, core, core score. score like all, all all this good stuff.
0: I mean just like ESPN kind of introduced QBR, we want to introduce core score and make it part of the uh part of everyone's kind of vernacular with the hobby.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's a little Maybe. bit more respected than qbr <laughs> but my guess is it's not because like quantifying someone's uh celebrity uh is ultimately just a personal opinion but yeah, hopefully exactly. we can get like enough people weighing in and kind of come to a
0: uh like a,
1: an agreeable number and uh go forward with it
0: we've got some names on the board already as examples for negative 10 zero and plus 10 for each category so uh that's going to be fun to dive into so Well, for Jack Archer, I'm Ryan Green. Thanks again to Chris from Card Ladder for joining us. For Drew, we will talk to you next week once again back here on the PSA pod.
1: Shout out Rudy Gobert, negative 10 cool factor. I'm sorry, my guy. Still a beast.